Open up your Bibles, if you would, to Genesis chapter number 37 is where we're going to kick off this morning's message. Genesis chapter number 37 this morning, and this is the story of Joseph. And as we're kicking off in Genesis 37, I do want to encourage you, jump into group life because it is absolutely amazing. It is where you will find friends, discover your purpose, and you will also encounter God. And we know when you have those three things happening in your life, you will experience life change in an amazing way. And so, Jason, I'm a little hot again. Can you pull me down? I'm getting some, some funny faces from people. And so, as we're turning into our Bibles to Genesis chapter 37 this morning, the title of this morning's message is Going Up. And we know the series that we're in is called Lift. And the Lift series is, uh, 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 we stole the logo and the name from the company Lift. And it's kind of like Uber or Grab. And so, we wanted to use that as our launching point for different stories in the Bible where people needed a lift where you need a Lyft in your life. And now Lyft, if you're not familiar with it, it's a rideshare company based out of San Francisco and it operates all over the nation of the United States and in some other countries. And it's worth $15.1 billion because somebody came up with the idea that, hey, I see somebody who is done being where they should be, but they're not where they're supposed to be but they're stuck in the middle and I can supply the means of transportation to get them to where they should be. And so he lined up through an app people who had cars and wanted to give people a lift, people who had bicycles and wanted to give people a lift, people who had scooters and wanted to give people a lift. And what if your next breakthrough for $15.1 billion was as close as the bicycle in your garage? What if your next $15.1 billion was as as simple as the scooter that your kids don't ride anymore? So God can give you a lift and supernaturally change your life in amazing ways if we'll just look at what he's got around us that he's trying to use to get us from where we used to be to where we should be because there's always a means during the travel time of what God is gonna do in your life. So somebody say, I need a lift. Everybody needs a lift at some point in their life. And so with this, how many of you guys have ever gotten on an elevator? And when you get on the elevator, you hit the floor you want to go to. And instead of going up, the elevator goes down. Has that ever happened? If this happened, just hold your hand up real high just for a second. I want to make sure I'm not alone. What's even worse than that, as irritating as that is, it doesn't just go down when you want to go up, but it begins to hit every single floor on the way down and somebody's getting on and somebody's getting off when the only place you wanted to go was up and it seems like everybody around you is going down in your life and so that's one of the most annoying things but listen floors are not opposed to your dream they are a part of your dream so when you're on an elevator and you're going down when you want to be going up the floors on the building are not opposed to the floor you're supposed to be at they're a part of the floor you're supposed to be at Floors in your dream and in your destiny that you encounter on the way are not opposed to your destiny. They're a part of your destiny, even if it's the part that you don't like. Come on, give me an amen on that. Listen, I try to make the sermon, and and I'm going to change my philosophy on this. I try to make the sermons in in both uh, services that we do kind of mirror each other. I think I'm just going to throw that philosophy out the window when we go to three services, and I'll start now. Because I'm not going after your impression to impress you. I'm going after your heart. And so I hope God uh, touches your heart this morning. And if he touches your heart this morning, be ready to respond on how he's going to touch your heart. 
So things that you'll hear in this service, I didn't say in first service, and I've said some things in first service that I probably won't say in this service. So if you want to get all the services, come to all three. I'm great with that. Amen. It would be awesome. But I'm praying that God goes after your heart this morning. I'm praying that he has an encounter with your heart as you've gathered here today. And as you encounter floors in your life, do not think that the floors that you're encountering are opposed to the destiny of your destination that you're going after. In fact, they are a part of it, even if you don't like the floor that you're stopped on for the moment. And the key to that is for the moment. Because the elevator will start moving again. And so as we turn in our Bibles to Genesis chapter 37, I want to talk to you a minute about the story of Joseph in the Bible. And because we always have a lot of visitors at TWBC, I'm not going to make the assumption and say, well, everybody knows the story because not everybody knows the story. And I think we miss a lot of opportunities as believers, especially in this Northeast Texas area, because we think everybody knows the story and not everybody knows the story. And so I'm going to recap the story of Joseph this morning and because not everybody knows it. And if you don't know it, I don't want to assume that you do know it and go and bypass the story itself and therefore you feel lost at the beginning of the message and you never have the encounter with God that you're supposed to. So if you're like me and you've read the story a hundred times and you heard it from a kid, good, enjoy the story. Enjoy the Cliff's Note version of it. If you haven't heard it though, this is one of the most amazing stories in the Bible. It starts in Genesis 37, and it goes all the way through Genesis 50. And in those 13 chapters, God revolutionizes the history of the church as we know it today, starting with this guy named Joseph. And so a quick recap of Joseph. Joseph is a 17-year-old kid, and he's got 11 brothers and his father is one of the, uh, the great patriarchs of our faith. You have Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. God changed the name of Jacob to Israel. Israel had 12 sons. Joseph was one of the 12 sons. And at this point, when this story takes place, Joseph is 12 years old. And Jacob, as great as he was, didn't have the best parenting skills because everybody knew that Joseph was Jacob's favorite. <laughs> And Jacob even knew that Joseph was his favorite. And Jacob gave Joseph better gifts than he gave his other 11 sons. Joseph, or Jacob gave Joseph in chapter 37 what they call a coat of bright colors. And when Joseph got this coat of bright colors, he made no issues about wearing it in front of all his brothers. And so as he was wearing it, he, showed, he, he was walking around saying, I have the favor of my father over the other 11 brothers that I have. Now, I do believe this. God wants to give you something this morning, and it is his favor. And you are his favorite. Everybody in here is God's personal favorite. place where he wants you to be for the purpose that you were destined and created for everyone in this building greg you were created for a specific purpose you were created to fulfill a specific part of the plan of god that i can't fill that your wife on your right side can't fill that john on your left side can't fill but you were created and designed with a purpose and so with that he says i'm putting my favor on your life for this purpose so god loves you uniquely well, Jacob loved Joseph, not uniquely, he loved him more. And with that, he gave him this coat, and he was walking out one day to meet his brothers. 
And as he was walking out to meet his brothers, his brother's like, oh, look, there's dad's favorite, right? And as they were walking out there, he was going to tell his brothers about two dreams that he had. And when he told his brothers about the two dreams that he had, his brothers hated him all the more. And one day he was walking out to meet them and his brother said, look, here comes this dreamer. Let's kill him, throw him into a pit and see what becomes of his dream. Reuben, the oldest brother, had a different plan. He said, let's not kill him. We know he's dad's favorite. Dad will be heartbroken. So they pulled him out of the pit and sold him into slavery. They killed an animal and put the blood on his coat and brought it before his dad and said, Dad, is this your son's coat? If it is, he's surely been killed by a wild animal. I'm glad my biological brothers are, did not do this to me, right? I mean, I got good brothers. Praise God. And so Jacob was heartbroken thinking his son had died and he was sold into captivity and slavery and a man named Potiphar bought him. Potiphar was very high up in the, in the land of Egypt where Joseph was brought to. And as he was very high up, he had many servants. And he also had a wife who wasn't so interested in him, but was very interested in Joseph. And so as she was becoming more and more interested in Joseph, and we'll use those words, interested in Joseph, there was a day when all the people were gone and Joseph walks into the house. And she approaches him with improper motives in mind. And as she approached him, he began to say, no, this is not for me, and turns to run out of the house, and she grabs his coat, and the robe that he's wearing, and pulls it off, and he leaves the house naked. Well, she holds the coat in ransom, basically, until her husband gets home and says, look at this Hebrew that you have brought into our house to humiliate us. He has come in to lie with me, and I screamed, and he ran out, and he left his coat. So he now is going from the pit to Potiphar's house and Potiphar after this was enraged and he put him in prison and not just any prison but the Pharaoh's prison. In the Pharaoh's prison he was there for several years and he gained favor again with all the people there even the guards and as he gained favor with them there was a day coming when the, the Pharaoh's um, bread maker and cupbearer, the one who would taste the wine got put into prison because Pharaoh was having one of those awful no good horrible very bad days. And so he, they were put in prison. They both had a dream. They come to Joseph for the interpretation of that dream. As they come to Joseph for the interpretation of the dream, he says, Baker, I got some bad news. <laughs> Write out your last will and testament because you're going to die. <laughs> Cupbearer, I got some good news. You're fixing to be back, put back in your position of authority with Pharaoh. When you get back into that position of authority, please remember me as you go before Pharaoh. Well, he was forgotten by the, by the winemaker until one night Pharaoh had a dream. And it disturbed him, and nobody in the land could answer his dream or tell him the interpretation, except for the cupbearer remembered. Oh, yeah. There was this guy in prison who, when we each had a dream, he, he told us the interpretation that the bread baker would die and that I would be put back in my position, and surely it has happened just as he said. And so with that, Pharaoh said, bring him to me. And so as they were bringing Joseph to Pharaoh, they had to strip him of his prison clothes. They had to shave him and make him look like an Egyptian because Hebrews weren't allowed to come into the presence of Egyptians. And so they made him look like that and he interpreted Pharaoh's dream and Pharaoh promoted him to second in all the land right below himself. Great success story. 
But that's not where it ends. We're going to find out what true fulfillment was in his life as we go through this message. And so as we start in Genesis chapter number 37, verse number 1, join with me as we read the word of God. And it said, Jacob lived in the land of his father, sojourning in the land of Canaan. These are the generations of Jacob. Jacob, Joseph, being 17 years old, was pasturing the flock of his brothers. He was a boy with the sons of Bilhah and Zilpha, his father's wives, and Joseph brought a bad report of them to their father. Now Israel, or Jacob, his dad, loved Joseph all the more and than any of his other sons because he was the son of his old age. And he made him a robe of many colors. But when his brothers saw that his father loved him more than all his brothers, they hated him and could not speak peaceably to him. Not even talk about him. They couldn't even talk to him. Now Joseph had a dream, and when he told his brothers, they hated him even more. What do you do in life when the ones you thought would celebrate you start collaborating against you? What do you do in your life when the ones you thought would celebrate with you start collaborating and start conspiring against you? Man, it happens in ministry all the time. And since we've announced that we're going to three services, I've experienced this very encounter. The very ones you thought would celebrate with you and say, yes, we're going to three services, give you the response of, why we gotta go to three services? Who do you think you guys are way out there in that pasture? What do you guys got going on? Surely it can't be of God if you're growing that fast. <laughs> I mean, I've heard all these statements over the past couple weeks since we announced we're going to three services. What do you do when the ones you thought would celebrate with you start collaborating against you? When Jacob told the brothers his dream, it said they conspired to kill him. They weren't going to celebrate with him. And some of you, because you have lofty expectations of people, you think they're around you to celebrate you when actually they're collaborating against you. Don't hate on them. Just know it's the reality of life. And in your life, when you encounter this, what are you going to begin to do? Now, Joseph, in this story that we're going to talk about, we're going to go through the three different instances when he was stripped of his coat of favor, stripped of his robe of authority in Potiphar's house, and stripped of his dignity in prison before he got to his destiny in the palace. So what do you do in your life when you're on the way to your destination or the palace but the peeling off process and the pain of getting to the palace is more than you're able to bear. Because the road to the palace many times is not pleasant but painful. It's not something that everybody celebrates with you. In fact, they collaborate against you. What do you do when the peeling off process in your life, the stripping process of your life is so painful that you don't even know when you're going to get to your destination and the fact that you got on the elevator and you pushed up and it seems like everything in your life starts to go down. What are we gonna begin to do in the body of Christ? Everybody say, we're going down. <laughs> Genesis 37, 18 says this. This is when his brother stripped him of his robe of many colors and it says they saw him from afar. And before he came near to them, they conspired against him to kill him. And they said to one another, here comes this dreamer. When you begin to make your dreams known, you're going to begin to know who is for you and who really believes in you, who's standing back to watch you fail, and who's also going to step out there and help you succeed. 
When you begin to make your dreams known and everybody knows about it, most people don't rally behind you. They begin to say, go for it (laughs) and back away from you. His brothers did the same and they said, here comes this dreamer. Come now, let us kill him and throw him into the pits. Then we will say a fierce animal has devoured him and we will see what will become of his dreams. And I want to qualify what I'm going to say here just because of the culture that we live in. A lot of us have been extremely disappointed because we had a dream and we brought it to God and said, God, meet my dream. And it didn't happen because we think we can bribe God with our vision board and our goal sheets and our strategic plan of how we're going to accomplish it and say we accomplished it through the power of God when really you accomplished your dream through the power of you. This wasn't the case with Joseph. Come on, I said I'm going after your heart this morning. Don't be mad at me. I love you. I'm loving you too much to lie to you. This wasn't the case with Joseph. Joseph didn't want to have this dream. (laughs) Joseph woke up because he had a dream that was from God. And even if Joseph wanted to, he couldn't get away from the dream because if Joseph would have made this dream up himself, he would have abandoned it in the pit. But he didn't abandon it in the pit because it was impossible for him to abandon something that he didn't conjure up, but something that God attached to him. Listen, when the dream of TWBC first came, I couldn't get away from TWBC if I wanted to. It doesn't matter where I go. TWBC was going to follow us wherever we went because you're a part of the dream if you're sitting in here this morning. And you're not going to get away from TWBC even if you want to because you're a part of the dream that God's put in this region to see this region transformed. And so if you're going through something and you're a part of this dream, get ready because God is moving you into a place where you can encounter him. Joseph couldn't get away from his dream even if he wanted to. And with this, your dream that you have from God or the dream that God has given you must first be redreamed, meaning redeemed. The dream that God gave Joseph had to be redreamed or redeemed so it could become the destination of where God would bring him. Sometimes in your life, God will give you a dream. God will truly put something in your heart that you're supposed to accomplish, but instead of stewarding it, you steal it. We don't steward the dream of God that he's put in us very well. We steal it. We steal it, Mark, and we say we're going to do it our own way. We're going to get there, and this is how it's going to look when we get there, and God's going to be so pleased with the dream that he gave me that I made come to pass, and so we didn't steward it according to how he wanted it. We stole it and said, I'm going to do it my way. What have we stolen out of the hand of God that he was putting in our life that we were supposed to steward, not steal? I can't tell you how many times I've walked up to God and said, I'm sorry, here's your church back. (laughs) Because I started doing it my way. (laughs) And it's real quick to know when I do it my way because it started failing very rapidly. (laughs) Come on, somebody, I'm just being honest. And so I'm very quick to say, oh God, here's your church. Help me steward it very well. I'm not going to steal it from you. Because I'm not about building an empire for Joel T. Meyer. I'm about building the kingdom of God for the Lord Jesus Christ because he must be proclaimed in all the earth because we believe in a Jesus that's coming back to bring a bride home at the proclamation of the gospel. And so with that, when God shows up, shows us a dream, we steal it instead of steward it. And when we take possession of it, we're sure to screw it up. The greatest disappointments in my life 
have become of my great expectations going unmet by Almighty God. The greatest disappointments I've ever had, America, are because my great expectations weren't met by Almighty God. Did you hear it? My great expectations. Many times our great expectations were not godly from the onset, but they were greedy in nature. That's why God didn't bless it. It wasn't until I got my heart right before God over the last 20 years at several points in the last 20 years and keep going back to him and say, it's your church, it's your church, I'm giving it to you, have your way in us, God. Whatever you want to do, you do it here. I want to be a vessel that you work through. I don't want to be commander-in-chief of what you've created. And with that in your life, whatever you're doing, wherever you're working, are you willing to hand it back to God so he can redeem it because we serve a God who's so good that he's not going to bless the greed of our heart because it's the greed of our heart that when he's so good, it'll go in an explosion and be so amazing that your greed will kill you in the process. So what God did from the onset was begin to say, Joseph, you see the dream and you see the vision and you see your brothers bowing down to you in this dream. And it's like I said in the dream, it's really gonna happen, but it's not how you think it's gonna happen. When the dream of God isn't happening how you think it's gonna happen, he's working on areas of your heart. What do you do when you press up and all that happens is you see yourself going down? Joseph pressed up I got a dream and the dream is of God and I'm going to tell everybody I'm going to the top let's hit the penthouse and he hits the penthouse button and he goes down to the pit he hits the floor and he thought he had arrived and I'm going to Potiphar's house and I'm going to serve and he becomes promoted in Potiphar's house and he finally gets to a place where he has favor he's in control of everything in Potiphar's house he says surely now we're moving up and he hits the button again to go to the penthouse and he goes down another floor and he went down another floor in Genesis 39 11 it says but one day when he went into the house to do his work and none of the men of the house were there she caught him talking about Potiphar's wife by his garment saying lie with me but he left his garment in her hand and fled out of the house men sometimes running is spiritual come on somebody get out of there get out of there listen sometimes things happen in life or go wrong for three reasons you got the reason of dumb, you got the reason of devil, and you got the reason of the dream. Let's break these down just for a moment. You got the reason of dumb. Sometimes things go wrong in your life because you made a dumb decision. Come on, give me an amen on that. I'm going for your heart this morning. You make a dumb decision, but the problem isn't today, we make a dumb decision and we want to blame everybody else of why it's not our fault that we made the dumb decision. Hallelujah. I got two words, cake responsibility hallelujah that's worth the price of admission <laughs> some of y'all are like but I didn't pay anything to get here right <laughs> take responsibility for the decisions that you've made and I know bad things have happened to you in your life but I've lived out of the house of my mother for 20 years now I can no longer continue blaming my own mom and my dad for my issues of 41 years when I've been out from under their covering for 20. Hallelujah. And mom said, amen. She said, I ain't your problem no more, right? Or you ain't my problem no more, however you want to phrase it. I can no longer 
You can no longer blame the decisions you're currently making on the things of your past. And the things of your past that you made mistakes when you, when you are dumb, uh, there's a simple word that fixes it, and it's called the word repent. And the word repent is not a bad word. Everybody look at me because some of y'all just shut me out with your religious minds. I knew he was going to talk about repentance. Of course I am. It's the gospel. And with that, repentance means I'm going to change the way I think. It doesn't mean come to the altar and cry and tell God how bad of a person you are. I bet God gets so tired of that. I bet God really says, I wish you would stand up, suck it up, and find out what repentance is and come to me with how you're going to change the way you're living your life. He'll be with you in the tears. He will be with you in the tears. But when you quit crying, you got to make a decision, baby. You got to step into something. So we got to get past the decisions of dumb. And we got to change what I, I love this term. It's called our modus operandi, our mode of operation, how we operate, which means repent, change your thinking about a situation. The second reason is this, that things go wrong. You got the reason of dumb, but if you are a spirit-filled believer advancing the kingdom of God, you do have the reason of the devil. But a lot of you are blaming the devil when you should be blaming dumb. I'm going to stop right there because I'm about to seriously offend some people you're blaming the devil when you should be blaming dumb. But I'm telling you, if you've walked this walk for any length of time, you know the difference between dumb and you know the difference between devil. And if you're a spirit-filled believer walking in the power of God, you will experience opposition. Don't think you won't. And as you're experiencing opposition in your life, what do you do when you're experiencing this opposition? Some of you need to write down and memorize Psalm 121 verses 1, 2, and 3. What do you do when you encounter the attack that the devil has put on your life? I love this, what the psalmist writes. He says, I lift up my eye. Get it? I lift. You need a lift? Here's the first thing you lift. You pick your head up and you lift up your eyes to the hills from where my help comes from. My help comes from the Lord who made the heavens, who made the earth. He will not let my foot be moved. He who keeps me will not fall asleep or slumber on me. Come on, somebody. So if I got a problem with the devil, I don't have to fight him. I just got to lift up my head to the hills where my help is. I don't got to fight him. Why do I got to fight somebody that's already been defeated? Come on, somebody. I don't got to fight him. But I got to lift up my, heels, my eyes to the hills to the one who's already conquered him. I got to pick my head up and get it off my situation and put it on my Savior because with my Savior, he's already conquered death, hell, and the grave and all the devils that go with it. I got to step back into my conquering Savior. So if you're fighting dumb, simply repent. If you're fighting the devil, lift up your eyes to the hills. But what if you're going, things are not going right because of the dream? The dream that God gave you you're planning on going up a floor but he keeps bringing you down a floor what do you do when the third the reason it goes wrong is because of the dream and you didn't do anything wrong you didn't make the dumb decision you're still picking up your eyes to the hills where your help comes from what if it is the dream it's okay when 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 Joseph went to prison and before he saw Pharaoh he had to be stripped of a third of his clothes a third time it's okay to be stripped as long as you still know where you're seated. I'm going to say that again. Some of you in the stripping process forgive where, forget where you're seated. 
The Bible says this, that in, in Ephesians 2, 6-8, he raised us up with him and seated us with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages he might show his immeasurable power and riches of his grace and his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. Some of the reason you may be being stripped is because he's trying to, trying to get you a place to be seated because when you're seated in him, he's going to show his immeasurable greatness of his riches and his power and his kindness toward those who still keep believing even though the dream's not going the direction you thought it should go Jacoby what do you do when it's not going the right way what do you do when it's not going the right direction David y'all are building a house I know there's been some days when it seemed like it wasn't ever going to happen <laughs> I know there's been some days what happens Wes when the business isn't going the way you thought it should go and you know in your life you haven't made dumb decisions. You've been being led by God. And you know you're still lifting your eyes to the hills and you're staying focused on Jesus Christ. What if the dream still isn't working? What are we going to do? If it is a floor on the way to the dream of God, he is not punishing me, he is preparing me. If I'm going through this floor and it's part of the dream of God for my life, I must begin to realize he's not punishing me, Alan. He's preparing me for something. Kim, I must realize this is an opportunity for me to overcome an opposition, not be defeated by the opposition. We must begin to realize that it is a momentary point in this journey. And here's the problem most Christians make. When we hit a floor and the doors open up and it's not our destination, because the elevator stopped, we try to step out. <laughs> get back in the elevator baby it ain't your destination i'm not getting off this ride till i'm on the right floor and believe me your floor is coming god is bigger than our dumbs he's already defeated our devils and he's still the author of our dreams but what if the elevator ride is this if the elevator ride is slow what if the elevator ride is slow and it's taking forever to get to where you're called to be. God is not punishing you because the elevator ride is slow. He's preparing you. He can't get you to where you're supposed to be in the microwave. You are a crockpot recipe, baby. And it takes some time for you to cook and simmer and stew and get you to the right temperature. Because when you are a pork tenderloin, come on, somebody. You don't want to microwave pork tenderloin. But when you've been in that crock pot for about six hours and I walk into the house and open the door, the aroma of the crock pot has filled the whole house and I know when it's almost ready. Come on. Why are you wanting to settle for a microwave moment in ministry when God's got a crock pot recipe for you and he's trying to bring you into a place where you're fully prepared for the destination he's got for you? I see so many Christians sell out for the microwave moment when God says, if you'll just stay in the crock pot. Your day of destination is coming. Your floor is right around the corner, but you got to stay in the crock pot. A few months ago, I was in Vietnam, and we went to this building and it had like 81 floors on it, and it's awesome. And I got in this elevator, and I'm thinking, wow, how long is it going to take to get us to the top? And it's one of the 14th tallest buildings in the world. And they hit the top floor button. And when that joker took off, it was like... Y'all, we went up 81 floors in less than 50 seconds. Yeah. 
we were going 24 feet a second up this elevator. And I'm like, God, this is how it's supposed to be. We didn't stop once on the way up. We went from the bottom all the way to the top. And we got out and looked at each other and said, Woo, come on now. That's an elevator ride. But what do you do when God's elevator isn't going as fast as you want it to go? What if you aren't clearing 81 floors in less than 50 seconds and rather you're going one floor every 10 minutes? What if it's taking way longer than you expected it to take? Genesis 40, verses 14 and 50 say this. And this is Joseph speaking to the, 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 the wine, the cupbearer. He said, only remember me when it is well with you. And please do me this kindness to mention me to Pharaoh. God was saying, Joseph was saying, I'm ready for my microwave moment. God was saying, Joseph, you still got to stay two more years in the crock pot, which was the prison. Because it was two years from when he told the cupbearer his dream till Pharaoh had his dream. And he said, and only mention me to Pharaoh, so to get me out of this for I was indeed stolen. See, he's already said, this, I'm here. But it wasn't my fault that I'm here. I was stolen out of my land. Did y'all get that? See, I love the account of Joseph because all through the story, he never sinned in his process and doubting God and getting him to his dream. But you do see he had to mature over the, 17, over the, over the 13 years until he got to the palace. So you may not be sinning, but you may need some maturing. And all the house of God says amen. Come on. He's going to get you there. But the worst thing he can get you there, do is get you there immature. The worst thing you can do is pull the pork tenderloin out of the crock pot an hour early. Just when it's almost done. Because anything that isn't almost right with you by leaving early will crush you later in your destiny. It'll crush you. God's worried about your heart more than anything. And he says, for indeed I was stolen out of the land of the Hebrews. Here also I have done nothing that it should put me into the pit. And in verse 40, chapter 23, it says, Yet the chief cupbearer did not remember Joseph, but forgot him. It's one thing to not remember. It's another thing to be forgotten. Joseph is a prime candidate for freedom ministry at TWBC. He wasn't remembered. Oh, nobody remembers me. But worse, he was forgotten. Like, and I wonder why the Bible says he didn't remember him. It's like, okay, that gets the point. No, he forgot him. It shows the dire, the, the dire straits that he was in, the, the place that he was in. And some of you are here this morning thinking this as well. You're in a place where you're stuck. You're actually between floors, and you're thinking, does anyone even remember where I am? All the good things I've done for you, all the tithes I've given to TWBC, all the ways I've served in children's department, does anybody even remember I exist? I find myself surrounded by a lot of great men of God and their churches are awesome and I love watching them grow and I look at them and I automatically just don't ask the question anymore and say God as you're growing TWC can we get there quick because even by my asking the question it shows there's an immaturity in my heart even by asking the question it shows there's immaturity in my heart and every time that rises up in me I say God here's your dream back Here's your dream back. Some of you aren't in the destination that you want to be. 
But the worst thing you can do is try to get out and be immature in where you think you should be. Because you'll be crushed by the things around you if your heart is not strong and where it's supposed to be. In verse 41, 14 and 15, chapter 41, verse 14 and 15, it says, Then Pharaoh called, called and sent for Joseph, and they quickly brought him up out of the pit. And when he had shaved him and changed his clothes, he came before Pharaoh. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, I have had a dream. Remember how the story started out? I have had a dream. And the minute he told us to his brothers, they tried to kill him. Can you imagine all the emotion he's having to work through? God, you gave me a dream, and now I'm stuck in prison, and you want me to interpret his dream from my prison? Do, do you understand the, the fight that's on the inside of him right now? And he had the fight to either obey God in this moment and interpret the dream of Pharaoh, or he could have walked away and said, God must have just forgotten about me. Now I'm used to fulfill somebody else's dream. But what if the key to getting to your dream is you being the answer to somebody else's dream? What if you quit striving so much for your own dream and started making somebody else's dream happen and that became the answer to your dream? See, Joseph didn't realize if I'll just be the answer to his dream, he'll be the answer to my dream. Because Joseph answered his dream and interpreted his dream and little did he know when he was being stripped of his dignity He was being clothed for his destiny in the in the palace and when he was being stripped of his dignity He had the destination in mind and as he was stripped of his dignity He opened the door to his destiny and his destiny lied in the interpretation of somebody else's dream Come on, that's good Yeah, give God a hand clap of praise. Come on The pit was just a floor. Potiphar's house was just a floor. The prison was just a floor. But get this, the palace was just a floor. And it breaks my heart about this story because I've heard so many preachers preach this message from the pit to the palace, from the pit to the palace, from the pit to the palace. The palace wasn't the fulfillment. The palace was actually a rich place that was lonelier than anything else. The palace was not the fulfillment. The fulfillment for Joseph came with the presence. When his brothers walked into the room, there was the fulfillment. The fulfillment, fulfillment wasn't the pit, it wasn't Potiphar's house, it wasn't the prison, and it wasn't the palace. The fulfillment was with the presence of God that showed up when his brothers, when his brothers arrived. And, and with this, the dream is more alive than it's ever been, but it also looks so much different than he thought it would look. Today at TWBC, the dream is more alive than it's ever been, but it looks so much different than I thought it would look 20 years ago when we started this process. It's more alive than ever. But listen to this. We all end the story talking about the palace, but being the fulfillment of the dream, it wasn't the palace. It was the presence. And then he understood when he came into the presence, when his brothers came into his presence, he understood the plans of God all along because he said what you intended for evil, God intended for good. And when you walked into my presence, I see fulfillment in the plans of God of 13 years ago when you threw me into the pit. It is the presence of God that will help us understand the fulfillment of the plans of God. The cross for Jesus Christ was a floor, and that floor was the floor of forgiveness. It wasn't his destination. The cross wasn't Jesus' destination. 
The resurrection and the ascension was his destination. But he had to stop at the floor of the cross for the forgiveness of you and me. And Jesus said, I'll gladly stop at the floor of the cross. I'll gladly stop there, Jim. I'm going to stop at the floor of the cross because when I stop at that floor, it's going to be the most painful floor I've ever encountered as I'm nailed and crucified to a cross. But at that floor, there is forgiveness for all the sins of all mankind. And I know it's just the floor because I'll be at that floor for three full days. But after three days, I'm going from the pit all the way up to the penthouse because I'll see my Father face to face, clothed in righteousness for all of humanity to come into His presence. It was just the floor. Some of you feel so stuck in your moment, and I'm telling you, it's just the floor. And I'm not making light of the pain on that floor. And it could be a very painful floor, but we got a Savior who already went through the pain so you could go up to the top and walk into the presence of Almighty God. You don't get to skip the floor, but you got somebody with you on the floor. <laughs> Come on. And just knowing I don't got to do it alone. And I, I don't even know I'm going to say this. I've never felt so alone in my life. As I was last year at this exact time. See, today is September 8th. Last year at this time, I was on day 38 of a 40-day fast. And I didn't tell this to first service. I don't even know why I'm saying it to second service. I was on day 38. And I had never felt more alone. And in that moment, on day 38, I'd lost 40-some pounds. I looked horrible. I didn't have people celebrating with me. I had people asking, well, what's going on? Or do you have cancer? Are you having an affair? What's going on with your life? You, you look miserable. You look horrible. And I didn't get anybody to celebrate with me. It was day 38, and I could just see the end. And in that moment... There was a relief that came over me from the top of my head to the bottom of my feet, and I'll never forget it. We have two days left. And God said this, but Joel, you've never been alone. You may have felt alone, but you've never been alone. I've been with you all along on this journey. I've been with you here on this journey. I've been with you in the presence of your wife when she gave you those encouraging words. You've never been alone. I've been with you in those moments when you think you couldn't make it and I was the only source of your strength. I wanted to prove to you that my strength is greater than your sorrow, that my strength is greater than any source of pain that you're going through, that my strength in the moment on the floor that you're at is more than enough to sustain you even for the things that are most vital to your life. Oh, and I'm telling you that to encourage somebody this morning. Some of you think you're not going to make it through this floor, and I'm here to tell you, His strength is your sustainer. Pick up your eyes to the hills. Look to Him, because that's where your help comes from. My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not sleep on me, and He will not slumber on me. Stand this morning. I've already gone way too long. Oh, God. My heart is breaking for the people in this room. And some of you are in the balcony because you're in the balcony because you didn't want to face people on the floor. And some of you decided to watch online because you didn't want to face people in person. And I love you wherever you're at. And if you're watching online, God's going to meet you right through this broadcast and He's going to touch your heart because the presence of God is omnipresent. It's all places at once. And if you'll just receive from what He has for you today, He will change your life. 
So with everybody standing, if you have never made Jesus the Lord of your life, he stopped on the floor of forgiveness for you. He went all the way to the top for you and opened a way for you to go to the Father. If you need Jesus as Lord and Savior of your life, I want you to go to the closest prayer partner around you in just a minute. If you can't go by yourself, drag somebody along. Say, you're going with me. I need, I need some support. Those of you who are in the house this morning and you feel stuck, you're in a place of transition. And listen, everybody feels stuck at some point in some area of their life right now. I feel stuck in a couple areas of my life. And I need to lift my eyes to the hills. From where my help comes from, your help is as close as the person next to you or the prayer partner that's on all the walls all around you. If God's asking you to take communion this morning, line up between sections one and two. Right now, we want to do something special. Thank you for viewing us online. Thank you for being a part of TWBC this morning. We're going to dismiss you. If you need prayer, reach out to us at the church through email, text message, phone calls, private message. We want to pray with you. Thank you for joining us this morning. We'll see you next week.